Well, welcome, friends. We are so glad that you are here for Easter uh, at the Mansfield ISD Center for the Performing Arts. If we have not met, uh, my name is David. My wife and I have had the privilege of calling uh, the community of Mansfield our home for the last 12 years to, uh, to have the opportunity to raise two kids here uh, in this community, in this school district, to, uh, to be able to, to have the honor of, of being the senior pastor for this church the last two years. Um, you just saw an expression of what First Methodist Mansfield is all about. Uh, you heard uh, Pastor Johnny speak about that earlier. Uh, another expression I want you to, to know about and think about today is, is the fact that we are here in this, in this space. Uh, we're here for, for two reasons, really. Number one, we're here because when we have Easter here, everybody has a seat. And you all look pretty comfortable in your seats, so good job. That's good that we have room for everyone. Uh, but also, we are here as an expression of our belief that we want to be a church that blesses our community, that, that is willing to go beyond our own comfort zone, to leave our own campus for, for Easter Sunday to come here and to share the good news of Easter uh, with our community. But I want you to know, to, to do this, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort, not on my part, but hundreds and hundreds of volunteers who have given their time to, to make this day possible. Those who greeted you uh, as you came in, those who are working behind the scenes who you will never see. And of course, this incredible choir and orchestra and bell choir. And we had drum, uh, the par portions of the drum line from Summit High School. Uh, we had dancers from Dance Academy of Mansfield. And I just know you just want to say thank you. So uh, let me give you that chance to say thank you. And I want you to know ev everything, everything that you've experienced already was planned, except for a few things. Um, whatever it was Johnny did, and, and Scott's directing, the, that was all bonus, okay? So uh, thank you, Scott. You... Uh, you <laughs> You always know he will bring the house down. We are so blessed uh, by that. Uh, I, I want you to know, no, uh, pastors are always excited to share Easter, uh, uh, but I also want you to know I'd love for you to come back and be with us next week. I want to give you just a sneak peek at what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, and so I want to invite you just to take a moment and watch this video.
we are all in some ways pursuing the better life, uh, and our conviction is that the better life is about planting seeds in fertile soil, carefully nurturing those seeds so that over the course of time, we have uh, the opportunity to experience uh, the blessing of that harvest. Better starts small. Uh, it flourishes with long-term consistency, and we believe it really is possible, though not as easy as some of the shallow promises that we hear every single day. And so I hope you'll be with us over the next few weeks as we look uh, at that truth. Forty-seven days ago, uh, our church family began a journey, uh, a time of intentional preparation for this moment that we are sharing here today. And this year, the way in which we did that was I challenged our church to read the entirety of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as captured by the gospel writer Luke. Many of you know there are four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and John are the other three accounts. But over these many weeks, we have been immersing ourselves in the story captured by the gospel writer Luke. But I want to name up front for you, even if you haven't been a part of that journey these weeks leading up today, I want to name for you a challenge that we have as modern readers of this story. And that is that regardless of how familiar we may be with the entire biblical narrative, we all have a sense of what happens at the end of this story. You know at least the broad strokes of what happened in the final week of Jesus' life. You may not fully understand why Jesus was condemned, why uh, he was eventually led to the cross. You you, you may not fully understand why Jesus represented a threat to those who were his adversaries, but we all have a sense that that the story includes the, the death of Christ and that that happened on a cross. But the cross was not the end of the story. And so if you would have been a part of that journey, when you got to the end of chapter 23 and you read about the crucifixion and you read about Joseph of Arimathea coming and taking the body of Jesus and placing it in a tomb, you would not be surprised when you turned the page and you got to an additional chapter, chapter 24, which begins in this way. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinner, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Chapter 23 is for us an awful episode in the life of Jesus. The the brutality of, of, of those who mocked him and beat him and sent him to the cross. But again, we know it's not the end of the story. We turn the page and we, we know what is the final act in the story, that Jesus was, was raised again. And let me see if I can uh, clarify for you what, what, what challenge that creates for us. On December 18th, 2015, one of the most anticipated movies in cinema history was finally released. Uh, Because for many, as soon as you heard that Disney had bought the rights to the Star Wars universe, 
with the intention of restarting the franchise, your eagerness and anticipation began to grow. And so when that date came, when finally we got to return to this fantastic world that some of us grew up watching as kids, it was, a, it was an incredible, uh, incredibly exciting moment uh, in our lives. I would describe myself as a Star Wars fan, but I would describe myself as a reasonable one. And here's what I mean by that. That means that I have all of the DVDs, including the, one, the ones that nobody liked. I have all of them, but I don't have a life-size Stormtrooper costume. I have a friend who does. Life-size, movie-quality, armor, Stormtrooper costume, which, by the way, if you call it a costume, he gets offended. But, uh, so I have a few fanatical friends, and, and so my fanatical friends got together. They, they circled the date on the calendar, and months in advance, they decided, we got to see this. We got to go. We got to be there for the first show. Would you like to go? And I said, no, I'll go a little bit later when it's not so crazy. But, but they went the very first opportunity that they could. And so, of course, I, I sent uh, my, my uh, Stormtrooper friend a text and I said, how was it? Did it live up to the hype? Because uh, I was doing what we all do, right? Like you're going to go see a movie, you want to set appropriate expectations. You know, how was it? Did it live up to the hype? And he said it exceeded it by a mile. I thought, wow. that's amazing. So we chatted back and forth. And, 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 and he said to me that the movie is really, really good, but the last five minutes will blow your mind. And so, of course, I've got to go now. You know, I've got to see this because they've experienced it and I haven't. And so, uh, because my friend is Stormtrooper friend and he has his own costume slash uniform, he has to go with me. So, he's going to see it for the second time. I'm going to see it for the first time. I'm completely enthralled with what is happening because I don't know what is coming next. He is as well out of one eye and then out of the other eye, he's kind of looking over at me because he knows what's going to happen next. He knows all the twists and turns. He knows that a about 30 minutes into the movie, you're going to get to see Han Solo for the first time. And I don't know how, he's there. Han Solo is alive for a little while. And there is Chewie. <laughs> Chewbacca is back. It's a, you're just so excited. But as you move through the movie, you're thinking, okay, but there's another person we haven't seen yet. When is he going to show up? You get to the very end of the movie, which by the way, no spoiler alert, because if you haven't seen this, you're not a real fan. It's been out for quite a while, okay? So at the very end of the movie, the camera comes to this island that's somewhere, and there it, it shows a, a shot from behind of a man with long hair and a robe, and then slowly he turns, and you see the face of the greatest Jedi of all time. And then it fades to black. <laughs> and when you see it for the first time, you're just, yes, Luke is back. They found him. Who knows what's going to happen next? I can't wait for the next movie. I mean, you were fist pumping. You were just, you're so excited. But it's not quite as exciting the second time when he turns and gives that look. And by the third time you see the movie, yes, I went to see it three times. By the third time you see the movie... You're leaving and you're Googling, how much did Mark Hamill make for 15 seconds of screen time? He didn't even say a word. 
you, you grow a bit numb to the surprise that is at the end of the story. And when you grow numb to the surprise that, it's the, that it is at the end of the story, you, you don't know what you're supposed to do at the end of the story. You, you, you lose sight of the significance of what happens at the end of the story. But that's, that's actually not the only challenge that we have as modern readers of this story, of those who come on a day like today to celebrate that the tomb was empty, that the burial cloths had been le left behind, that Jesus had defeated the grave. One of the additional challenges is that we look around at our world today and we, and we might think to ourselves, our world is not that much different than the world in which Jesus lived. We may think about the, the places where Jesus lived out his days. We might think about uh, what we see happening. The conflict that, that we see present in that area of the world is sadly today very similar to the conflict that was there in the days of Jesus. The characters have changed, but in many ways it's still the same. We know that there are far too many children in our world who don't have enough food who suffer from the repercussions of their poverty, who, who don't have a mom or a dad to provide for their basic needs, who, who, who don't have uh, people around them to point them towards a future that is, that is filled with hope. We know that there are far too many people who live in parts of our world where over the course of their life they've mo known more days of conflict than peace. They live in parts of the world where it is still assumed that the powerful will always take advantage of the powerless. That the way of the ancient world is still the way of the world today. There are people who live in parts of the world when, when they go outside and they hear the sound of thunder. Their first instinct isn't to look up to the sky to see if it's about to rain. Their first instinct is to run because they recognize that something far more dangerous might be about to occur. And even here, even here in our, our comfortable corner of suburbia, we look around at what we struggle with, and we see many of the things that Jesus talked about. We see worry and doubt and fear and greed and lust and broken relationships. We see pain that doesn't seem to find mending. And we see again the enemy that we all know is out there. We know that death still stands opposed to life. And we live in a world where we are prone to believe that death still has the final word. And so on a day like today, we gather and we sing, but maybe for some, the song may ring a bit hollow because you wonder why isn't the world more like what we think God would want it to be than what it actually is today. And yet that is actually not a new phenomenon. This feeling that, that this world looks too much like the old world rather than the new world that Jesus was seeking to bring about. In fact, some of the first men and women who said yes to following Jesus, who claimed faith in this resurrection moment, some of those brothers and sisters in the faith also struggled with this question. 
And so within the witness of the saints, we find these words from the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15, speaking about the significance of what we celebrate today, the centrality of this truth to everything that we believe. Listen to what Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Listen to a modern paraphrase of that. If Christ wasn't raised, then all you're doing is wandering around in the dark as lost as ever. Your faith is worth less than yesterday's garbage. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of a Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. We together would be world-class fools deserving everyone's pity. But listen, listen to the conviction of faith. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. And he is the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemetery behind. Here's how I would say it to you today. That if Easter is going to mean anything, it demands to mean everything. If Easter is going to mean anything for you in your life, if it's going to mean anything for you and your family, if it's going to mean anything for the people who live in your neighborhood, the people who you go to school with or work with, our community, our nation, our world, if it's going to mean anything, it has to mean everything. You cannot come to a place like this You cannot sing the songs that we have sung. You cannot proclaim the truth that we gather here to celebrate that Jesus has defeated death if you are willing to go on living in the shadow of its darkness and its despair. If Easter is going to mean anything, it has to mean everything. Because the surprise of hope, it seeks to sink its teeth into the very marrow of your life. And it beckons you into a whole new way of living that will not let you go. Easter's light refuses to be dimmed. Instead, it calls us and it beckons us and it invites us to see that there is a whole new world being born among us. There is a whole new life available for us. It calls us to this moment of receiving. Easter means that the worst thing in life is not the last thing in life. Easter means that we can come to the graveside of a loved one and we can grieve, but we do not grieve as those who do not have hope. Easter means that we can see beyond the veil of the the earthly life, the the pain and the suffering, and we can begin to imagine a world that is quite different, the world of God's imagination. But if that world is going to come, then Easter has to mean everything for you and for me. 
It has to sink itself into the very marrow of our life. It can't just be something. It has to be everything. It can't just be a day that we dress up and look nice and take pictures and send them to family and friends or have a nice ham. It has to be the core of who we are. It has to turn life upside down and lead us in a whole new way. And so if you're here today and you are sick and tired of living in an old world, if you're tired of living in a world that, where you seem to take one step forward and then two steps back, if you're sick and tired of living a life that seems to lack the significance that you want, maybe wrapped in the guilt of how you have disappointed yourself or how life has disappointed you, then perhaps today you would receive this good news. While we were yet sinners, a mess, Christ came to reveal, to expose, to share the love of God. If you're tired of living in a world where you are gripped by anxiety, where you are overwhelmed by fear, when, when you, can't, you can't seem to, to move forward, you look around and you say, why is the world as it is? Then perhaps the call of Easter is this, you need to take more seriously that death has been defeated. And it's time to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Because God seeks to enlist you as a co-conspirator in his work of undermining those things that seek to destroy life by being an agent of God that brings life into the world. You cannot come to a moment like this and celebrate the defeat of death. If you're willing to go back to living in the shadow of its darkness and its despair. And so would you today receive the grace of God? Would you receive the, the, the surprise of hope? Which is this, that when you come to the end of the story, the surprise of hope is that it's really not the end. It's really the beginning of a whole new world that is waiting to be born in the lives and in the work of a people who say Easter isn't just something. Easter will be for us everything. So that the light may be extended that hope may come, that the world may in fact become the world as God had intended it to be rather than the old world that is dying away. Who is ready to say yes to Easter and to the hope, the hope that it brings? As we close, I want to invite you to join me in a word of prayer as we pray not only for our lives and, and for our future, but we pray for that world the world of God's making, of God's imagination to come among us and through us. Let us pray together. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this resurrection moment. The moment when you loudly proclaimed that death no longer has the final word. That you, Lord, because of the power of your love and grace, you have defeated death. And you now invite us into a whole new way of life. 
And so, Lord, for anyone here who hasn't said yes, would, would you, Lord, speak into their heart and invite them by faith to speak those words? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to live differently. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be a part of the old world. And for all of us gathered here, Lord, show us what the next step is. For some, Lord, it may be going home and saying the words that we've been thinking about saying for so long. I'm sorry. They sound so simple, but they're so hard to share. And yet in their sharing, Lord, we know that a miracle can happen and that new life can come. Help us know, Lord, what the next step is we need to take if we are going to make Easter everything and not just something. Let that story continue in us as we share it with your world. We pray all these things in the name of our risen Savior and King Jesus.